This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So Shavuos is coming. And at Shavuos we read Megillas Rus. And I don't have time. It's an interesting thing. I have to try to figure out what's this 2 o'clock deal. Um, the whole Shabbos I keep speaking at 2 o'clock. My wife is here. Please, Esty, do not get nervous if tonight at 2 o'clock I wake up and start talking. I don't know. <laughs> There's something going on. I have to, I have to call my Rebbe and show and find out what's at 2 o'clock. Wait. This, I'm talking to Narish Pan. The real stuff I'll yell. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Rus is called Aim Hamalchus. Who came from Rus? Dover HaMelech, Melech HaMoshiach, Malchus in Klai Yisrael. Who came from Boaz, Dover HaMelech, Mashiach, Malchus in Klai Yisrael. The last sphere that we say before Kabbalah Satoira on the 49th day is called Malchus Shebemalchus. Why is it called Malchus Shibamalchus? Because Akadosh Baruch Hu is the Melech. And his, his wife, the queen, the princess, when she comes to marry the Melech, she has to be on a level of Malchus. So Malchus Shibamalchus, Akadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael, Chuppah was, was Harsinai when Akadosh Baruch Hu took Harsinai and put it over Klai Yisrael. The Kedushin was the ten, the, the Asaras Hadibrois, when Kosh Baruch gave us the Torah, was the Kedushin. In fact, whoever says Tikkun Leil Shruis knows that there's a Ksuva and a Tanoim that Kosh Baruch gave us. Malchus Shiba Malchus, and what do we read on Malchus Shiba Malchus? Megil Asrus. I don't think there's a better lesson in the world, a better chizik for men and women who are struggling than Megillah Rus. I don't have the time to go into who Rus was. But Lemaisa, she came from Moab. Moab was named Me'avi. She came from Light and her daughter. And his daughter. Moav Layavoy Moyavi Bikal Hashem for two reasons. The most immoral nation, the most prostrate nation in the world was Moav. Kla Yisrael was perfect in their Tsnias in Mitzrayim. There was no immorality. There were no Jewish women with Mitzrim, and there were no Jewish men with the women of, of Mitzrayim. There was one story where a Mitzri fooled a Jewish woman, the Mitzri that Moshe Rabbeinu killed. With all that by desire that we did, our morality, our yichus, was perfect. Along came Moab, the Avos Moab and Pasha's Balak, sent out their girls, sent out their princesses, and caused Klai Yisrael to fall into such immorality that 24, 
thousand Jewish men who never did an Avera with the Mitzrayim and Mitzrayim for 210 years. They call me Averis with the women of Moab. Moab was hated by Klai Yisrael. And comes this girl, Rus, who sticks to her mother-in-law. I always make a joke. Rus and Arpa, it says that they were holding on to their mother-in-law and they kissed her and they started crying. So it's a joke. And I say that if she kissed her mother-in-law, she talked about be the Amishiach. Just a joke. But seriously, you have to understand who she was. She was a princess of Moab. Most of Klai Yisrael held that not just a Moavia man, but a woman from Moab, stay out of Klai Yisrael. You want to learn about Chinuch? All the speeches, it's very nice. I guess some of them weren't so nice. I don't know what the Dayan is talking about exactly, but he was on fire about something. You don't have to be brilliant to understand what that arrow was all about. I hope it wasn't me. I didn't pass in anything, so I'm hoping it wasn't me. Klaus <laughs> Yisrael did not want any part of any woman from Moab. Rus comes to Eretz Yisrael. Now, who is Boaz? Boaz is the God of Hadar. Satma Rebbe, Belzer Rebbe, wherever you're coming from, whoever your Rebbe is, the Stolen Rebbe, Rabbi Vajra, the God of Hadar, the Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, the Rabbi Chaim Kayanevsky, the Shaifet, the Melech, the Shaifet was the Melech, rich, the Tzaddik, the Paisik, the top of Klai Yisrael. He was the top of Klai Yisrael. At Sadiq Ayid, an elder Ayid. You must see what happens so we understand, you want to understand Kirov? You must see what happens the first time Boaz meets Rus. So before we get to that, we must understand who the father, the grandfather of Mashiach, of Malchus. Who's Malchus? Who's Boaz? So, he comes to his field. He was a very rich man. A shepherd had to be rich so he couldn't be bribed. And he comes to his field and listen carefully. He comes from Beislechem. And he, taught, he says to his workers, Hashem imachem. Hashem should be with you. By Yom and his workers say, Hashem. I have a business. I have workers. There are a lot of people here that have workers. When I come into my business, I tell the secretary, make sure that all my emails are printed because I don't have a computer. I want to know the balance in all my accounts. By the way, were you here at 9 o'clock this morning? Because I called, nobody answered. Take care of this and take care of that. My salesman, how come you guys are here? How come you're not out selling? And I'm giving orders and I'm giving orders and I'm giving orders. When I come to class, tuck your shirt in, put your food away, 
Where's your homework? Where's the note that I asked from your parents? Sit down. Boaz says that doesn't work. When you come in to your office, when you come into yeshiva, you're a Rebbe, the first words that should come out of your mouth is what Boaz said. He didn't ask the kaitzrim, how much work did you do? Let me see the inventory. Hashem imachem. The words that came out of his mouth, Hashem, God should be with you. Hashem should be with you. He didn't ask no questions. Imagine you come into your office and all your workers are there and the first thing you say to them is, everybody, I have something to say. And they're like, oh, he's going to fire me. He's this, he's going to complain. We didn't answer the phone. Everybody, Hashem imachem. Hashem should be with you. What's their answer? Such a boss? You should be good bench. You should bless you. A Rebbe that walks into his class and the first thing he says to his students, not but he says, today and every day, Hashem should be with you. And if you happen to have multiple choice on the test, and you have to guess, because Bochum should give you the right answer. And the class turns to the Rebbe and says, Rebbe, Hashem should bless you. <laughs> Not one child in that class will ever go off to Derech. Guaranteed. Because he had a Rebbe, and the Rebbe used Hashem's name, not in a negative way, he used Hashem's name. The first thing he walked in, he said, Hashem should be with you. Imagine a husband that goes to work in the morning. And his wife, instead of screaming and yelling, you forgot this, you forgot that. I gave you a grocery list. You left it on the kitchen table like you always do. With your briefcase, your titsas are hanging out. Tuck yourself in. Don't forget to call your mother. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. And he's flying out the door. But instead of that, she says... I know that you're going to work. I know you're going to yeshiva to learn. It doesn't make a difference. Hashem imachem. Hashem should be with you. Yankala and Yaakov, Hashem should be with you today. In whatever you do. Meryl, you should be your bench. Hashem should, be, Hashem should bless you. You think they're ever going to have to go to Shalom Bias classes? For sure not. For sure not. Boaz understood that to get your benched from the other person in your relationship... You have to be, your opening cannot be criticism. Your opening sentence is, Kishboku should be with you. And a husband who's leaving the house should turn around to his wife and say, I know the kids are making you crazy. I know you have a lot on your plate. Kishboku should be with you whenever you do today. Even in your shopping, you should find the right sales. It's costing me too much. (laughs) Mirul Hashem should be with you. Yankal Hashem should be with you. Two people living a house that way, that's Malchus. You want to know what Malchus is? That's Malchus. Not Chesed, not Yisoid. That's Malchus. Or how about when your children leave in the morning to get on the bus? Don't forget this, don't forget that. Tuck your shirt in. You have your homework. You better be good today. Your Rebbe wasn't happy yesterday. And the kids running, he, he's not. He's not running to get on the bus. He's running to get out of the house. <laughs> Bye, Ma. Yankala, come here. 
before you go, tuck your shirt in. Come here. Before you go, today, Kodesh Baruch Hu should be with you. Whatever you do, when you play, when you're learning, when you're eating, don't leave over your food like you do every day. Hashem should be with whatever you do. Really, Mommy? Thank you. Hashem should bless you. You should, you should have a good day, Ma. You think that kid's gonna have, gonna be off the derech, like Keraftanu, we're gonna have to work with him? Hashem, in his head, is a bracha. Hashem, in his head, is with him. Because every day, Hashem, my mother said, Hashem should be with you. Boaz was brilliant. He was a shaifate. He understood when he came to the kitesrim. Not, how's my business? Shem should be with you. But it was even bigger gadol than that. So, there's a medrash that says in Megillah's Rus, the Pusik says a little bit later, that Boaz tells Rus, I will make sure that the Narim, the boys, won't touch you. So Chazal asks, these were very from boys, why did Boaz have to tell his workers not to touch Rus? They would never touch Rus. So the medrash says, that when Rus came the first time to the field and she was collecting leket, so that Sadiq and the worker said, Agaita? Taking tzedakah away from poor Jewish girls? The Medrash says, they picked her up and threw her over the fence. The Medrash Rabbah, in Mikhail's Rus, you can look at it. They picked her up, you, shiksa, you guy, taking tzedakah, over the fence. After 120 years, he came to Shemayim, and David Amelik's like, you threw my grandmother over the fence? <laughs> it's not so posh it. They threw Emma Malchus over the fence. Do you know why? Pleadik. So, we know that she was at Snua, and the very beautiful, we don't have time, it's like the most, you have to take this home. Such a new dick of art. Where did she get sneers from? She came from Moab, right? So it said that she didn't bend over to pick up the leket, she curtsied, she bent down. And Boaz saw this, but she's different than everyone else. Where did she get sneers from? This is a new, I have to say this, even though it's, you have to hear this word. I'll tell you where she got sneers from. Because there's a thing called spiritual DNA. What you have, what you do, you, you're able to fight your tithers and you're able to overcome it. Your children won't have those tithers. It's an interesting It's a whole thing in spiritual DNA. Avram Avinu is chesed. We have chesed. There's something called spiritual DNA. Listen to this word. So we know that when the malachim came, the three malachim came to Avram Avinu, so... They had four jobs, right? Rafal had to save, to save Lot, and he had to give her a full shalem to Abraham Avinu. The other one came to destroy, to destroy Sodom, and the other one came to tell Sarah she's going to have a child. So the famous kasha is, how can Rafal have two jobs? A malach is sent, he only has one job. So the terence is that healing and saving is one job. It's a little schwer, because he healed one person, and he saved another person, so it's not really one job. Listen to this terence. Really, when the Malachim came, they were not supposed to save Lot. Lot was not supposed to be saved. Why? Because the only reason Lot was saved was so that Rus would be able to marry into Klyisrael. But at this point, Rus would not have been able to marry into Klyisrael. What happened? These three Malachim came to do the three. No saving Lot. They come and they ask Abraham Avinu, Where's your wife? Tongue. All this good food. Where's the lady who made it? He answered, It's not sneers for a woman to come out and serve strange men. 
Oh, she's pretty. Oh, look at the food. They're going to start giving her attention. Abraham Avinu said, I paskin. That when it comes to, to serving strange people, strange men, a woman's place is in the OL. She's not supposed to be serving men. Men should serve men. And that's what happened, Taka. Yishmael and Abraham Avinu served them. When he paskin that halacha, that a woman is not supposed to serve men, then what was the, why can't, Moabim marry into us because when we came back past them, we left with trying, we were hungry, we asked them for food. But if a woman is not supposed to come out and give food, because Abraham Avinu Paskin that, so then they didn't do anything wrong. So Abraham Avinu Paskin in this world that a woman's job is not to come out. So if a woman's job is not to come out, they Paskin that in the next world. Now there's a reason to save Lot because Rus, who's a woman, could now marry into the Jewish nation. So the basis of the reason to save Rus came from that a Moavia is allowed to be married to Klai Yisrael came from the Tzniyos that Ram Paskind that a woman, a Jewish woman has to have. So the basis of who Rus was, her, 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 her DNA came from Tzniyos. So she curtsied even though she was a Moavia. That's the kayak that a person has. When you do the right thing, the, the cause and effect of your generations later. So he asked the Nar, who's this girl? But the Nar saw the Chitzonius. And they didn't like her. They threw her over a fence. He said, you want to know who she is? I'll tell you who she is. She's a lowlife. She's immoral. She comes, Hashava in the Ami, Mr. Moab. She's a Moavi. Boaz, you're the Gadol, you're the Tzaddik, you're the Rebbe. What do you talk, what do you want to know about this low-life Moavia girl? Listen to the Gadol Hadar, Boaz. It's Neuidikavart. He goes over to her. First time he met her. Vayoyma Boaz el Rus. Hello, Shamat, I heard about you. BT, my daughter. My daughter? A Moavia? A Nachria? BT? My daughter? The Gunnel Hadar? We just threw her over the fence? And the Gunnel Hadar is calling this Moavia? My BT? So she asks him, I don't understand. She says, I don't understand. Why did you call me Biti? She fell on her face. And she said, Why? Why? You're the Gal Hadar. Why are you treating me like this? Why do I find favor in your eyes? What does that mean, you find favor? He liked her? What does that mean? So she says to him, what does it mean to a girl like me, a stranger? What does it mean that I'm matzachin in your eyes? And she said the very big word. And when I gave this year, they actually started a new organization from this in Baltimore. And she said, Why are you giving me recognition? I'm a guy. I'm from an immoral, I'm the princess of immorality. Why would a tzaddik 
give me recognition, not attention. She didn't say attention. She said recognition, and there's a very big difference. So Boaz answers this, and this is so important for all of us. She asked him a good kasha. You're the gadol hadar. You're calling me BT? It's very funny. I gave this share in a more modern place, and they thought BT stood for Balchuva. But it's not what it stands for. It wasn't English. He said BT. He said my daughter. So Boaz, the gadol hadar, the... the the of of, of the, the great grandfather of Dovin Amelech of Mashiach Tzikenu. Do you know why I called you BT? Do you know why I gave you recognition? You suffered so much. You're like Avram Avinu. You left your father, your mother, your birthplace. And you came to a strange nation. And you gave this all up. So what did Boaz say? Why am I giving you recognition? Because I know all the pain. And all the sacrifice that you gave. So you have, you have two people looking at this girl. You have the Nar. Boaz, the low life. Throw her over the fence. Boaz saw the same thing. Look how much pain she's going through. Look what she gave up to be here. That deserves recognition. So she says to him, and it's very befairish, she says to him, Adoni, I found favor in your eyes. Kini chamtani. I needed a nechama. She was in pain. I needed a nechama because you consoled me. Kini chamtani. The chidibata alev shifchasecha. You spoke to my heart, not to my head, not to my brain, but you spoke to my heart. You gave me recognition. But anoichi loy eheyek ha'achas shifchasecha. And you gave me recognition. I give you my word. I'm not just going to be a regular Yiddish medal. I'm going to be aim hamalchus because Boaz was able to see past the chichanias, past the isha hamovia. He saw the pain. He saw the sacrifice. He understood that she was a biti. She was a daughter, and that she wanted to become part of Klai Yisrael. So she was a daughter. And later on, when he wakes up and she's at his feet, and Rashi says that he thought it might be a shade, a shade, a shida. He thought, he didn't know. The Galahadah, there's a woman at his feet. Right? What would happen? What did he say to her? He didn't yell or scream. He said, Mi'at. He asked, who are you? And then she said, I'm Rus. And again, three times said, BT, stay here, BT, BT. Always called her BT. He never called her Moavia. He never called her Rus. He called her Biti. He called her his daughter. That's Malchus. He saw past the Chitzainiyas and he saw, but she said, and I've heard this from children so many times, if you give me recognition and you believe in me, if we know that someone believes in us, I'm not just going to be a regular girl. Rabbi Wallstein, 
I'm going to be Makar of other girls. And that's what she was saying over here. Vayimma'en Yosef Yosef refused to be with Aisha's Potifa. The trap, the trap, on top of the word Vayimma'en is the Shalsheles. Vayimma'en it's a Shalsheles. A Shalsheles connects two things. What is the refusal Vayimma'en Yosef connected to? In the same parsha, there's another Vayimma'en. Vayimma'en Yaakov lihisnachem. Yaakov refused to be consoled. Yaakov said, I have a son, Yosef Atzadik. I gave my whole life to him. You're telling me he's dead? You're bringing me his jacket? Bring me his body. Until I see his body, I will never give up on him. Chazal say, Rav Shimshim Pekin says it's over. What a vart, and this is so important for all of us. How was Yosef able to refuse Potiphar's wife, the Chidor says, she was a Gilgal of the Nachash. There was no more beautiful woman in the world, Chidor says. This was the war of the world. You sighed against the Nachash. How was he able to refuse her? He said, Mitzrayim. He had all the excuses like I talked about before. All the excuses, not my fault. My brother sold me to Mitzrayim. He had all the excuses to go off the Derech. What saved him? Says Rav Shimshin, Vayimayin has a chain. It's connected to his father's Vayimayin. Yosef knew that even though my father doesn't know where I am, until he sees my body, he will never give up on me. Vayimayin Yosef Poitifa, Vayimayin Yaakov Lehisnachem. If you know that there's someone in this world that will not ever give up on you, you will never give up on yourself. And the lesson that the children need to know, yes, Yosef had no excuses, but in the end of the day, if you want to talk about parenting, every child, even if it looks like a Moavia, is a BT. Every child, no matter what he looks like, is a Ben. But every child needs to know that I will never give up on you. No matter what you look like, no matter where you are, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will never give up on you. We have to refuse lehisnachem to be consoled. All right, I have ten kids. Nine are good. One went off the derech. Nope. It's okay. It's not the end of the day. No. You're not allowed to give up. So I want to end. I say that four times usually before I do, but I'm going to only say it once because he's in the front row already. He's nervous. <laughs> I don't have a chance to tell the story, but there's someone in this room that's here specifically to hear about this. I'm, I don't have time to tell you my story. But the I got kicked out of school when I was in third grade because I ran away from school. I was a little boy. I lived in Muncie. I ran into the woods. It was 12 o'clock. I heard the bell ring. I knew I was late. It was with my friend Yankler Kaufman. We didn't come back. The teacher started looking for us. We ran deeper into the woods. Then they called the police and the Ramapo police and the helicopters and the dogs. And when I heard the dogs, I told my friend Yankla that they're wolves and they're coming to eat us. And we ran deeper into the woods. And the bottom line is they couldn't find us till 4 o'clock. So we two little boys in Yeshiva Spring Valley were missing till 4 o'clock. 
with a very bad situation. The whole month he was going crazy. I didn't see it. I heard they brought German shepherds. They were smelling my clothing. Kids were screaming wolves. The place was bedlam. I wish I would have seen it, but I was in the woods. I didn't see it. <laughs> I came back to Yeshiva. For whatever reason, you have to understand that they thought we were kidnapped. We were murdered. Yeshiva's going to close. It's all over. How do you let two kids not come back from recess? Totally, whatever. They were going crazy. So, just I'm telling you very, very fast, but it's important because there's someone here that needs to hear this. So, someone needs to hear this in this room. So, that's why I'm telling you this story. So, they took me. I'm not going to say who. It doesn't matter. In those days, we all got hit. I'm 57 years old, so I'm going back 50 years, right? Going back a long time, third grade, maybe 48 years. So, everybody got hit. It wasn't a... We didn't go, we didn't go to therapist. We didn't take medicine. It was, it, you know, everybody got hit. There was one kid in my class that didn't get hit. We hit him. Like, <laughs> you think you're special? We beat him up all the time. You think you're special? Right, so the whole thing was, you know, the Rebbe came with the ruler. We put Vaseline. He hit it. It went over his tie. It was a game. It was a mice. It didn't hurt me. It, it's not like today. It wasn't trauma. Just the opposite. It wasn't. But, but what happened was, what happened was that they took me to first grade and they said, this is what happens to a boy who runs away from school. Whack! Whack! A little guy, I'm this big. I went from one side of the room to the other side of the room. Second grade, same thing. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I got beaten. I was a little silly kid. 16 times. But it's not the beating. It was the embarrassment. When you're, when you're a kid and you get slapped, oh! But when you know you're going into a room, in front of the other kids, and you know you're going to get slapped, I can't even, I can't describe it, you should never know from it. And I was such a little mechutzif, that I was crying like crazy, of course, my face is swollen, I mean, I really got hit. We're walking by to the office now at 4.15, and he's throwing me out of yeshiva, on top of the beating. I looked up at him, and I said, why couldn't you just call an assembly? And hit me twice! Mechutzif! Boom! Kaufman never came to me. I got, he got. He was like, stop talking. <laughs> so, we took this beating, and I have to tell you that the seventh and eighth grader, the older boys, they thought it was funny. You know, a little kid getting slapped like that, they thought it was funny. So there were like 20 boys in the seventh and eighth grade that were laughing. On top of me getting hit, they were laughing. Because boys sometimes, when they don't know what to do, that's what, you know, they laugh. But I looked at all of them, I remembered every single one. It took 20 years, they're all dead. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hello. <laughs> They wouldn't have let me speak to Shabbos. Relax, relax. So then I went to high school. I went to high school with kids. Anyone that's my age knows. I went to high school. I had a Rebbe that I loved very much. I was very close to him. But I went to a very Gestaka high school. And a Muncie on my block, there was a girl, a neighbor, whatever it was. My mother sent it. Anyway, some boy in Yeshiva, Hashem Shemayim, told my Rebbe that he saw me talking to a girl. And he has to save the yeshiva, and he has to save everything. So instead of coming to me, he... So my Rebbe called me in, who I really loved very much, Mashkiach, whatever, and he said, Wallerstein, talking to a girl? I'm like, how do you know? No, we just know things. You're talking to a girl? I'm like, it was my neighbor, my mother sent me. No, 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 no. I'd throw you out of yeshiva if it wasn't for your father. Whatever that means. right? Not because they like my father, but he was a little wealthy. Anyway, so because of your father, I'm not throwing you out. But you need to know something. That a boy 
who talks to girls, do you know what happens? you know what he grows up to be? I'm like, not the Chafetz Chaim. He grows up to be, I don't know how to say this in Yiddish, a sewer rat. You know the big ones in, in Barrow Park, the big ones with the big long tails? He says, that's what happens to a buckle who talks to girls. That's what you're going to become. Now, I was a hockey player. I was a tough guy. I was a hockey player. 10th grade, I walked out crying. I was crying. My whole world was shattered. Finished. Finished. I said, I'm done. Yiddish cut. I'm gone. I'm leaving. One Rebbe beats me up. The other Rebbe tells me I'm going to be a rat. This is not for me. But I couldn't. I couldn't. Because Baruch Hashem, I had parents. I had a father that loved me so much. And I knew that he loved me so much because he gave me the most precious thing that a parent can give, which was time. My father traveled from Sunday to Friday. He was a salesman. He would go from New York to Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and three days there and three days back. No food, rokach, split pea soup, and matzah. There was nothing in those days. When I got off the bus at 2 o'clock on Friday, he got home at 1 o'clock. He just drove for six days. I got off the bus. My father was standing there with a football. Come, let's go play. Every Friday night from when I was 7 years old to 13 years old, my parents, he was so tired. He was so tired. He would sit on the couch with my mother and we'd put on, we, we had to, we'd put on a Pasha play. Me, my brother who's 2 years older than me and my sister who's 2 years younger than me would put on a Shabbos play. We'd have props on Friday. We built, there was, we did our Kedas Yitzchak. We took a bunch of pillows with a blanket. That was Har Maria. My brother was the Chamar. I was Yitzchak. It was... He loved me because everything he did, I was included. He never went away without taking his children. He did not have friends. Not because he wasn't a friendly guy. He said, my best friend is my family. I don't have any other friends. How could I step out of Yiddishkeit and hurt this man who thought that his three children were the greatest things that ever happened to him? I'm going to step out on this? I couldn't. I couldn't. So I didn't. And when I became in 12th grade, this is the point that I want to make for that young man that's sitting in this room. When I came to 12th grade, I made a decision. I am going to become a Rebbe. Now my friends thought there was something very wrong with me. Because Zechariah Wallerstein was voted the least possible guy to go into Chinuch than anyone that you knew in the yeshiva. So they were like, come on. You want to own a yeshiva. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be a Rebbe. They said, why? I said, because I know what it feels to be embarrassed in front of a whole class. And I know what it feels when you're told that you're a rat. And the only way that I could stop that, I can't change Chinuch. But the 25 boys that are in my room will never be embarrassed. They will never be hit. They will never be embarrassed. And they will never be called names. I am going to take my pain, what I went through, and I'm going to use it to help others. Because otherwise, I talk am a rat. And otherwise, I talk to deserve that beating. And I got married, and I became a Rebbe immediately. And the reason I'm telling all of you this is that everybody goes through things. So many people came over to me and they're going through such hard times. Most of the time, 
not your Bechira. I have this always with Bechira, Bechira. The bottom line is we don't have Bechira. Okay? I hate to, to bust your bubble, but the big things in life, you don't have a Bechira. Like, if you're a girl or a boy, you didn't have a choice. That's pretty big. Um, if you're a Jew or not a Jew, unless you're a Gare, wasn't your choice. Here's the biggest one. Who your parents are, wasn't your choice. Who your family is, not your choice. What yeshiva you go to, till you're much older, not your choice. Who do you marry? Gemara says, 40 days before you come to the world, they announce who you're going to marry. So, Rav Shimshim Pinker says, so what's your choice? Lamaisa, all the big things, you don't have a choice. So he says something neuridic. He says, the only choice you have is what do you do with the things that you have no choice. Do you accept them and grow that you're a woman, that you're a man, that you're a Jew, that those are your parents, that that is your family, that that's what you have? Do you step in or do you step out? Do you step up or do you step down? Rav said, that's the only choice. That's not your choice. Most of the things that happen, a good panasa, bad panasa, on Rosh Hashanah, you should go to sleep for the rest of the year. They wrote, if you're going to live, if you're going to die, how rich you are, everything that's going to happen, so I have no choice. The answer is, what are you going to do with the bad stuff? What are you going to do with the good stuff? That is your choice. So I, I, was, I was asked in California to speak to a bunch of Yusimus. And they said they're going to put together a bunch of girls who are from 6 to 16 who are Yusimus. They're orphans. But whilst they want you to go give them chizik. I figured there'd be seven girls there. There were 23 girls, Nabuch, that were Yusimus. And I got in there, and they had a circle, and I was in the middle. And I came in there, six-year-olds and 16-year-olds, the Brachin of Kindalach. And I came in there, and I gave them a shir. Moshe Rabbeinu went through this. And I know when I'm good. And I was good. Okay, I was at the top of my game. Yeshimus. And some of the parents were sitting there. And I finished the shir. And I said, okay, any questions? And this little teeny girl, seven years old, stands up. Rabbi Wallerstein, can I ask you a question? Sure. My name is Chani. Hi, Chani. What do you want to ask? Rabbi Wallerstein, my name is Chani. I'm like, I know. What do you want to ask? Did you have a mommy when you were seven? I'm like, yeah. Do you still have a mommy? I'm like, Baruch Hashem, Yeah. She looks at me, she goes, oh. I'm like, you don't know my mother, what are you getting so upset about? But <laughs> she got up, she went into the kitchen, three kids followed her, the 16-year-olds went out the front door. Within six minutes, they were all gone. I didn't have that in my backpack. I went home and I asked Mechila for my mother. She said, what, what do you need Mechila? I'm like, ma, when she asked me that question, I, was, I really wanted to say, my mother died at childbirth. <laughs> See? Because she's thinking, if you didn't have a mother also, I could be like Rabbi Wallerstein. But the minute I said I have a mother, she's like, no, then I, I, can't, I can't do it. So the pain that you go through, I'm finishing up, the pain that you go through, I have a girl in Ornava, she came to me, she's 19 years old, she's very sharp. She said to me, I gave one of these, I was talking, Bechir uh, and all the stuff, she comes over to me, and she says, can I ask you a question? This is a question a lot of people have. She goes, you know, my parents have been divorced since I'm three. I know, I know the whole family. I said, yeah, I know. She says, how does Hashem choose? How come your daughter Malki is in your family? How come I'm not your daughter and your daughter Malki is not my parents' daughter? 
I mean, Hashem knew they were going to get divorced. How does he choose? Right? He knows what's going to happen. How come I'm not your daughter? She asked me. I said, I'll tell you. Hashem doesn't put us through an Nisayan that we can't pass. doesn't mean you will pass. It's a very big mistake. Hashem puts you in a Nisayan that you might fail, you might pass, but you have the Yechayilis to pass. I said to her, you have the Yechayilis to pass, but you also might fail. I said, I want to tell you a very fast story. You're 19 right now. You get married. You have a family. And in 10th grade, your daughter comes home and says, Ma, I have a friend in my class who wants to come for Shabbos. And you say, yeah. And this friend comes for Shabbos. And you're the mother. And it's funny because women are very funny. Because I told her when the story, when I'm making it up, I'm like, okay, you married. His name is Benjamin Schwartzberg. For the story, she goes, is that Ruch HaKodesh? <laughs> Should I only go out with a guy named Binyamin? Seriously. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to a girl. I have to be, you have to be careful. I'm like, no, it's just for the story. Are you sure? Maybe it's not just for the story. Maybe I should put that in your mind. If someone says his name is Schwartzberg, that's the guy? I'm like, probably not the guy, but okay, right? So I said, so you're Mrs. Schwartzberg. At the end of Shabbos, this girl comes downstairs. Mrs. Schwartzberg, your food? I never tasted such food. You're, you're like a, a French chef. And, and, and this Miros was so beautiful. And you have such a nice husband and such a nice family. Wow, you're so lucky. Wow, I'll never have such a thing. And you're Mr. Schwartz, you're like, oh. so depending if you're Sfati Ashkenazi, knock on wood, knock on your head, right? Chas Misham, say Chas Misham 12 times on one foot backwards. Chas Misham, don't talk like that. You could have the same thing I have. And the girl looks up at you and says, no. Nah. You see, I'm 16, and my parents got divorced three years ago. I'm from a broken home. No one's going to marry me. I'm never going to have such a house. And I told this girl, I said, that's when it comes out of your backpack. I said, you are suffering since you're three years old. You're going to turn around to this girl and say, oh, you can't have a house like me. Your parents are divorced three years. You were 13. Well, guess what? My parents got divorced when I was three. And the girl's going to say, nah, you're telling me that to make me feel. Yeah, ask my daughter. Ask my daughter about her grandparents. They've been divorced forever. And the girl is going to look at you. I told this girl, your parents were divorced since you're three? And this is your family? She's going to walk out the steps and look up to Shemayim and say, Hashem, I can have even a better family. I had my parents till I was 13. All the speeches from Wallerstein and he kept putting me with Mizrahi. And Mizrahi, right? Those two guys, all those speeches mean nothing. I said, you're much bigger than I am because you could say my pain is your pain and I didn't fail. I passed. Boaz looked at Rus and said, what better girl for Eim HaMalchus than a girl that went through pain? Because what's a Malka and a Melech? The ones that understand what what the people went through. So I want to give you all a bracha. And my bracha is, I had a lot more to say, but we'll have to save it for another time. My bracha is like this. It's a teeny little story. You've got to give a bracha with a story. So here's the story. I know you're nervous, but this one is worth it. We're going to leave with this. This is the story. You're going to forget all my other stories. This one you're going to remember. So Yankel is a farmer. And in front of his house is a 15-ton boulder. And every day he goes out to the field. One day he walks out of the house... And he hears a voice. Yanko, this is Hashem. 
Wow, Hashem's talking to me. Push the boulder! But Hashem, it's, it's 15 tons. Push the boulder! Okay? Hashem talks to you, you go. This Yaakov, right, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world, he's a farmer, starts pushing the boulder, schwitzing, pushing for half an hour, it's geitnished. He goes into the field. Next day he comes back out. Uh, a boulder is a huge stone. How, how would you say boulder in Yiddish? A Stein. A Stein. Okay? How do you say 15 tons? It weighs about as much as Rabbi Wallstein. Okay, so now. Yeah, you can't move it. It's, it's, you, you can't move it with a tractor. Next day he comes out. Yankul! Yes, Hashem. Push the boulder. Nachamol, half an hour. This goes on for a year. Every morning, the Meshuggah guy comes out. Yankul pushed the boulder. He pushes and pushes. It doesn't move. One day, he comes out. And this big, dark, mean-looking malach standing by the boulder. Yankul goes, who are you? I'm the Satan. I'm the Yetzirah. You think I'm a bad guy. Everybody thinks I'm a bad guy. I'm not such a bad guy. Yankel, I have to tell you something. You know, us malachim, us angels, we work very hard in Shemayim. Very hard. So Hashem gives us off a half an hour every morning. It's called comedy relief. For a half an hour, we watch this Meshuggah, a human being, trying to push a 15-ton boulder. I feel so bad that all the malachim are laughing at you. Don't do it anymore. He's like, oh my gosh, Hashem's making chayzik of me. I'm the comedy relief. He's so brachin. Comes out the next day. Yankul, it's Hashem. Push the boulder. <laughs> no, Hashem. You're not going to use me for comedy relief. Who told you we're using you for comedy relief? You know I can't move the boulder. It's 15 tons. Hashem said, I told you to move the boulder? I didn't tell you to move the boulder. I told you to push the boulder. Your job is to push the boulder. My job is to move the boulder. Yankel, since I created the world, I never had a better boulder pusher. You are the best boulder pusher. So hard for every half an hour, you're the best. He goes dancing into the field. Yankel, the best boulder pusher. Yankel, the best boulder pusher. Akush Bokh said, I'm the best. The Satan meets him and says, what are you dancing for? Hashem said, I'm the best boulder pusher. But the boulder doesn't move. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you're the best botlin he ever had since my Sabaratius. You are the best botlin. He says, that's not good. Of course that's not good. He says, I'm done. I can't deal with this. It's making me crazy. This guy, I'm going to the bar. I'm going to get fashikit. I can't deal with it. So he leaves the field. He's on his way to the bar. He's walking down the street. And there's a lady screaming. It's a ridiculous story. She's screaming, help me, help me. My husband's under the wagon. I can't get him out. He was changing the wheel and the wagon fell on him. Help me, help me. He says, okay, what should I do? Run to the city. Get five men. He says, why do I need five men? There's 400 pounds of flour, of wheat on the wagon. You'll never be able to lift it. He said, but if I go to town, he'll be dead. So I'm going to lift it. She goes, unless you're Superman, unless you're a Malach, you can't lift it. He says, lady, listen to me. I'm going to lift it six inches off the ground. When I lift it, you pull him out. And he bends down, and he starts to pick up this wagon, and the muscles on his shoulders and his arms and his legs from the last year of pushing and pushing that boulder, he has so many muscles that he lifts the wagon, and she pulls him out. She says, I don't know who you are. What's your name? Yanko. I don't know who you are, Yanko. 
but I can't save you enough. And he says, it's not me. I didn't save you. Who saved me? Who saved my husband? A 15-ton boulder that wouldn't move. What's, what's the lesson here? The lesson is amazing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us Yisurim and things and tests. He wants us to push. He wants us to do our best. But in the end, in the end, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's not about moving the boulder. The boulder is not supposed to move. It's to build muscle. It's called struggle muscle. Christ rolls in Gullus. Why don't we have Mashiach? Because we're building struggle muscle so that when Mashiach comes, we can handle it. So it was never supposed to move the boulder. The boulder is not supposed to move. But you still have to push it because later on, that muscle will be used. So I turned to this girl and I said, your struggle that you're from a divorced family and a boy who struggled with drugs and got through it and other people who are struggling and come through it, the muscle that you built is to be used to help others. The things that you don't have any choice, the beating that I took, that I had no choice as a little kid, I didn't know what I was doing. That Hashem put a muscle in my, in my backpack that I'm sensitive to children because I was hurt. I want to make sure that other children are hurt. I didn't go off the derech. I didn't get angry. I didn't want to take revenge. I said, Kosh Baruch you gave me something. You gave me muscle. I'm not going to waste that muscle. I'm going to use it to help Kindleach. The reason that I'm here in front of you today is because of that third grade situation. I'd be a businessman. I'm a businessman. I would have nothing to do with Kindleach. Who's interested? My thing in life is to make sure that kids don't get hurt. Because I was hurt. And the yeshiva that told me that I'm going to be a rat every year invites me to be guest of honor. No, don't clap. We need you to be guest of honor. You have such a following. And then once they told me, you don't have, of course I talked to the yeshiva, we made you. You made me almost, <laughs> you almost made me into a shagitz. You made me. So he said, you don't have a cross of tofs. I said, I'll tell you the truth. I'd love to be guest of honor, but I can't get up to speak. He said, you don't can't get up to speak. You speak for everyone else. I'm like, I know, but when I get up, what am I going to do with my tail? <laughs> to do my tail. I never told you that. It's in your mind, whatever it is. Anyway, bottom line. Bottom line is we all go through things. Don't get angry. Don't go off the derech. That's not what that's about. Hashem didn't make you go through that. Whether it's a divorce or a broken home or it's drugs or, it's a, or, or you're poor, you don't have money. That's not to get you off the derrick. That's the backpack. You understand the people that went through what you go through. And if you use what you went through, Rus used what she went through. Boaz said, you're the Malka. You know what it means to struggle. You know what it means to leave everything behind. Em ha-Malchus dover ha-Melech Mashiach. And because of this past Shabbos, the godless of this past Shabbos, the gullus we've been pushing this boulder forever, and it's not moving. It's time, my Kaddish Baruch Hu, to take this boulder called gullus and everything that we spoke about this Shabbos and that we're going through and make it move to the base HaMikdash because the cornerstone of the base HaMikdash said David HaMelech that stone is built with pain and tears. 
where we all be zoicha to see the Beis Hamikdash, to see the Imam Malchus, to see Moshiach Ben David. Bim here be amen to amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.